0: A few years ago, I had an opportunity to go see a a play at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. And if you've ever experienced that, I'm sure you understand what I mean when I would say that that was an incredibly awesome experience. We went and saw the the, uh, play Wicked, and uh, it's the first time I'd ever been to a professional play like that, and it was a privilege to take my daughter as we went and saw this play together. And it was amazing as we sat up in the nosebleed section to take it all in, and just the energy that was there, and then as the play started, just seeing how amazing it was and how they did all of the different scenes. And it was quite an experience for me. And as I was watching it, um, I was taken aback by some of the things that you could sort of see in the background, but uh, you weren't sure that you were seeing them. You know, it's one of the things that they do where they're trying to make a a scene change and so they distract you by putting something over here so you're looking over here whereas something else is going on over here where they're changing the scene so that when it's time to change, it's all done. And uh, my curiosity got the best of me and as a result, I was able to take some of that in a little bit. And as I was doing the preparation for this message, uh, Pete Briscoe, who is a a well-known pastor and writer, Uh, shared the idea of uh, the front of house and back of house when it comes to a play and when it comes to the theater. And the theater has that front of house, which is really the stage. It's all of the action that takes place up in the front. And it's all the drama that takes place. It's all of the play that's happening. And uh, that's where everybody is drawn to. But there's also a back of the house. And the back of the house is the part you're not supposed to see. It's this part that's supposed to be seamless. The part that's supposed to happen without you even noticing it, where the trick of the eye of moving you over, you're in uh, focus over here as something else is taking place and the change is happening there. And one of the things that Pete mentions as as we come to Daniel chapter 1 is he reminds us as readers to know that there is, of course, the front of the house. There is all the drama that's happening at the beginning and in the front and all the things that we see. But he encourages us to look at the stuff that's happening in the back of the house. In the back of house where the things that we don't see things going on, but know that there's things happening. As I was talking to my daughter Rebecca and my wife Julie about this play that we saw, uh, I asked the question, how many people were up at front house of the house? And we realized there was probably between 20 and 25 uh, people. And they were the cast that were up at the front. And this was a play that actually had quite a few in the back of the house because there was probably four or five times that amount in the back of the house. These are the people to make sure this all took place seamlessly. As we come to Daniel chapter one, verses eight to 21, I want us to be able to identify some of the the front of the house scenes as well as some of the back of the house scenes that would help us to be encouraged in our faith and in our journey. And so I want us to just read together Daniel chapter 1, uh, verses 8 to 21. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned you your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young young men of your age. The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished because than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of that time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. You see, as we come in here, we're reminded, as uh, Brent did such a great job setting the scene for us, we're reminded that Daniel and his friends are here because uh, the Jewish people have been brought into exile. God has delivered the Jewish people, his people, into the hands of the Babylonians. And here we see that the, the Babylonian rulers have taken some of the finest of the Jewish young men and, you know, Uh, Brent had mentioned that they were probably in their teens, uh, took some of these young men and brought them into uh, the training, which was about three years long. And in that training, they would learn the new language, they would learn the literature, they would learn the ways of the Babylonians, and also they would come to a place where they would have to eat of the king's food. Now, that doesn't sound like a really hard thing to do, does it? If you like food like I do, that would be a pretty easy thing to do. I remember vividly being on a cruise, uh, my one and only cruise, and, and coming into the buffets and seeing the tremendous amounts of food that were there. And I just wanted to try everything. It looked so good. Well, here, as the king has brought out the, the, the table and brought out all of the food, Daniel sees something finally that he's not willing to, uh, to go down on. He's willing to do the language, willing to do all the other things. But this thing here is something for him that he's not willing to to, under, to undertake. Now it's a good tactic of a leader, that, especially for a conquering leader, to fully immerse the, those that have been drawn into conquest uh, in their ways of life. And so uh, Babylon is, is no different. They did exactly what they should have done. But here as we come into Daniel uh, chapter 1, verse 8, we realize that, that Daniel has uh, a request. And I think there's a number of things that Daniel does in this chapter, three that I want to look at in particular, that I believe helped to to grow him in his life and in his spiritual journey that was really important that I think we can apply to our lives as well. And it has to do with the steps that Daniel took. And the first step that I want us to look look at is that Daniel took a step up in courage. As we look in uh, verses 8 to 10, it says here, For Daniel, he was, like I said, willing to accept all these other things. But food, the food choices were very important for him. And uh, Brent had mentioned the, the purpose and the reason behind that. But as I read some of the commentators, I realized that uh, there's some disagreement. Some believe that when he talked about being defiled, it was because the food was unclean. Uh, the Jewish people had very strict food laws and they had to follow those food laws and one of the things there were certain foods they weren't allowed to eat Uh, and I'm sure this buffet was filled with that Um, there was things that the way they prepared the food that they weren't allowed to participate in is if it was not prepared properly and again I don't think this was an area where the Babylonians really cared about how they prepared their food Uh, and also when they prepared their food, they would offer it to their Babylonian gods. And all of these things would, would bring about a defilement upon Daniel and his friends. But many of these problems have, many of these theories have a problem. Because the fruits and the or so the vegetables that Daniel's been asking to eat instead were also part of this very same thing. They were probably unclean. They were probably uh, been offered to the, the Babylonian gods. And so it may not make any sense that that would be the only reason why. And then as you read in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2, it says, uh, Daniel writes, And at that time I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions of all until the three weeks were done. It would seem to me as we look at that that Daniel had a change in his diet from the three years when he was in training to this point in time that he, would have, he has gone back into eating some of the choicest foods that were there. And so it seems like this is set for a specific time and purpose, which is where the three years of training would have been. Now, several commentaries seem to bring out the point that during this three year of training, Daniel and his friends uh, had more concern over uh, who was feeding them than what he was feeding them. And so he wanted, uh, the king wanted their full dependence upon uh, himself instead of upon their God. So Daniel sets out to take uh, a step up in uh, courage to speak up. Now why would this take courage? Well it would take courage for a very specific reason. Because we're told earlier, and, and Brent had mentioned this in his passage, that the king was the one that selected this food that was to sit on the table that they were to eat. And for Daniel to come and say, you know what, I don't want to eat that. Uh, I actually want to eat this, was actually going against the king's order. And as a result, could have because could have been seen as treasonous and could have uh, brought about death for Daniel and his friends. But one of the things that's important is uh, not only what Daniel asked for, but how he did it. You see, Daniel comes to uh, the, the, um, the ruler here and he says, uh, you know what, I... I I can't eat this. This would defile me. And just asks permission to just eat vegetables instead. And it's the ruler here that at the time says, you know, uh, God shows up and shows, uh, brings upon favor upon this ruler to Daniel. And even though he wants more than anything to, to grant his request, he's not able to because he's fearful of the king and how the king is going to respond. But it's interesting here, isn't it? that Daniel, as he comes to this this ruler and this official, he says, you know what? Uh, As he comes to him, he has tremendous courage. Tremendous courage. Because Daniel knows that as he's in this, that there's a lot that God wants of him. And as God lays this upon his heart, and as Daniel steps up in in faith, uh, God shows up. And God shows up and not only does he help Daniel have the courage, but he also shows favor upon Daniel with, uh, with the officials as well. As we go back to that whole uh, drama unfolding and, and the play and, and the theater, there's the front of house stuff that's happening. Here, Daniel has been taken into the king's service. He's been given all sorts of changes in his life, his name, his language, his literature. Uh, there's lots of change happening for him. And then it comes to the food and and Daniel draws a line that, you know what, I need to be faithful to my God, to my king of kings, not to the king of Babylon. And I don't want to be a vassal where I owe something to this king. I want to be faithful to my king. And that's why he does this. That's why he makes this line in the sand, so to speak. And so the front of the house has this drama and it's the idea here that, you know, we have no idea how this is going to turn out. I'm sure Daniel was kind of curious as to, is this going to cause problems? But it doesn't. Yet in the back of the house, we see God at work, don't we? Sovereignly at work, without anyone seeing it, God causes Daniel to be shown favor. And that instead of striking him down for treason, the, the official just kindly says, hey, you know what, I'd love to do this, but I can't. I'm afraid of the king and I can't do that. It's here that we see Daniel's second action step, uh, where we see Daniel step out into confidence. Not only did Daniel take a step up in courage, but he also took a step in confidence. He took a step out in confidence. In verses 11 to 16, it reads, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance to that of a young man who eat the royal food and treats your servants in accordance with what you see. So so he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine and they, uh, they were to drink and gave them vegetables and water instead." You see, Daniel showed tremendous confidence in God's provision, didn't he? Uh, that came as a result, I think, of Daniel's great faith. Daniel had faith to know that, you know what, I know I'm here, but I've got to take a stand. And so in confidence, he stood out. In confidence, he came in and continued to press this uh, to another official. And here we're told that, it's, that it was the guard, the chief official that had pointed, uh, was appointed to him. His faith allowed him to put forth a 10-day challenge. Daniel says, you know what, okay, I understand, but let's let's put this in a smaller uh, piece of time and let's put this to test and let's see if my God will meet my need uh, just as I believe he will. But one of the things that we realize again, again, he gently comes to the official. He gently comes to the guard and God, through uh, Daniel having wisdom and, and humbly presenting the request, God gives him more favor and God shows up again. God shows up by performing a miracle. It's a miracle that God performs here. Now, I know that people can live off vegetables. Vegetarians do it all the time. But in this situation here, where in 10 days, uh, Daniel goes from eating the king's food to eating just vegetables and seeing a remarkable difference that's made, that's just unheard of. Now, it's sort of like that too-good-to-be-true thing that you see on ads on TV. And, uh, you know, just take these two pills every day and for 30 days you're going to lose some weight. And we all look at that and we just shake our head and go, yeah, it's just impossible. Well, this is one of those things. And I think the guard actually didn't think that Daniel was going to make this. And so he was like, what do I got to lose? It's not going to look any better anyway. So you know what? I'll let him do his thing. So he agreed to the 10-day challenge. And in that 10 days, God meets, steps into the situation and meets Daniel where he's at and his friends and they actually looked better. Now, I have two teenage kids at home. Two of my five kids are teenagers, my two youngest, and they eat nonstop. If you have teenagers, you know what that's like. You know, you can sit down to a full meal. They even have seconds of the meal, and they scarf it down, and they, they, they eat it so quickly, and 10 minutes later, they're back going, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And I'm saying to them, well, the food hasn't even touched your stomach yet, and you can't be hungry. Just give it 10 more minutes, and I bet you'll be full. Nope, they're not. They want another bowl of cereal or they want something else. It's crazy how much they eat. Can you imagine teenagers here turning up, turning away from this wonderful food and wine that they could have as much as they want and then going to vegetables? And not only that, not only did it just sustain them, right? That's not what the rule was here. Not only did it need to just sustain them, but they needed to outperform everyone else. Now on that table were things that our developing bodies needed. They need to have the the right fats. They needed to have protein and iron and all of those things to help grow a healthy body. And they didn't get that. They had vegetables. And so God met them there. I believe wholeheartedly that God met them there and actually performed a miracle with their bodies and allowed them to experience uh, a, a transformation that was nothing short of a miracle. Now, Daniel's confidence that led out of his faith provided him with favor from the guard even there. That as the guard said, sure, let's do this, and the guard saw the results, what did he do? He took all that food away from them and gave them the vegetables that they had requested. So Daniel actually won some influence here. He had some influence over the guard and was able to then be able to to carry on and, and provided that opportunity for him and his friends to carry on and honor God in the midst of all of the things they had to still give up. You know, it wasn't a big thing. It wasn't a huge thing that that Daniel was asking for and that God was asking Daniel to do. But what it does show us in this is that the confidence that Daniel had in God was that even in the little things, even in the little things that God asks us to do, that when we follow through and we obey and we go through in faith and prove that, that God shows up. God shows up in the little things that he asks us to do. And, you know, in the front of the house in this one, we see this big ask. Hey, you know what? Let's put up this 10-day challenge. And the drama's unfold, Everybody's watching. Uh, I think, you know, the people are all in disbelief. And Daniel just fully confident, all of his friends fully confident that what they're going to experience is exactly what's what happened, was that God met them there. And as a result of that, there was some idea here that that Daniel was able to gain some more influence with his people, uh, with the people there, and because he was faithful in the small things, because he was able to take those small things and run with it. You know, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that when we are faithful with few, God gives us more, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. We know the end of the story, don't we? We know the the story of the lion's den. We know the story of of the the fiery furnace. We know that there's greater tests to come But it all started here, with food, with a simple test, and Daniel was faithful. Daniel and his friends were faithful. Thirdly, I believe that there's another step that Daniel takes. Not only does Daniel take a step up in courage, not only does he take a step out in confidence, but I believe that Daniel takes a step into his calling. Daniel takes a step into his calling. In verses 17 to 21, it reads this. To those four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found them none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. You see, Daniel was a key part of God's plan that was going on in the back of the, back of the house. That in addition to being shown favor, God bestowed upon Daniel some, and his friends some very specific gifts and abilities that would later serve them incredibly well to earn trust and favor with the king of Babylon at the time. God gave them all kinds of knowledge and all kinds of understanding and all kinds of uh, understanding of literature and learning. Daniel was also given the ability to understand visions and dreams of all kinds, which will be really important later on in the coming chapters as Nebuchadnezzar starts having dreams and needs someone to interpret them. Um, Daniel was not willing to just sit around and accept the situation that he was in. He wasn't willing to just be willing to sit in the status quo, was he? He wanted to actually be a part of what God was doing there. See, remember when when God brought them into exile, into Babylon, it was for his glory and for their good that he did it. It was part of because they were disobedient, they needed to be pulled away. They needed to be taught some lessons. They needed to be uh, shaken up a little bit. There's a lot of disruption going on in our lives as well, isn't there? We face all sorts of disruption. This past year was probably the most disruptive time that we've ever experienced on an ongoing basis. And where was God in that? as we ask the question, God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of all of this uncertainty, in the midst of all of this change, in the midst of all of this lockdown, where are you? And the front of the house shows, you know what? There's lots going on. There's lots of drama, lots of closing things down, lots of lockdowns, lots of, now we've even got curfews. There's lots going on. And it looks like God's not around. But if you're just looking at the front of the house, it would seem to appear that way. But the fact is, is that God's also in, working in the back of the house. God's in the back of the house orchestrating all sorts of things, much like he did here. And God's preparing, and God's bringing in things, and God's doing some things that I think are really important that we don't want to miss. We don't want to miss that. And if we're only looking at the front of the house, we're going to see discouragement, we're going to see dr- lots of drama, we're going to see lots of mayhem, we're going to see lots of uncertainty. But as Christians, we're also to remember there's a the back of the house. In the back of the house, there's a sovereign God who is at work. And Daniel's not complaining and griping and, and carrying on about the, the sovereign God who's not doing anything. But instead of complaining about the sovereign God, he's resting in the sovereign God. He's trusting in the sovereign God that his God is at work and is doing his thing. And as enjoying, it. as he steps out in courage, he sees God meet him there. As he moves out and steps out in confidence, God meets him there. And then as he steps into his calling, God meets him there as well. He provides him gifts and abilities that he's never had before, but God is able to use those later on. It sort of reminds me of the fact that God is calling Daniel and his friends to be influencers in, an, in Babylon. You know, there's an illustration that was given to me for this message is the idea that uh, the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. You see, a, a thermometer just mimics the current environment. It just mimics it so that if there's a certain temperature and where I'm at right now, it's really cold. You probably see my breath. It's really cold. So the thermometer here is broken, but it's telling us that it's really cold. And I don't think there's a thermostat anywhere around here, so I'm actually being influenced by you know the thermometer just it's cold that's all there is and nothing influences um, everything influences the thermometer because it really needs a thermostat the thermostat on the other hand controls everything it controls the heat it's not controlled by the environment it actually controls the environment it actually influences the environment and I wonder if in our circumstances just like Daniel was if we need to be more of a thermostat than a thermometer That in order to to engage this culture of change and and disruption, if God is saying, you know what? There's things that I want you as my people to teach the world uh, that in the midst of disruption, you can have peace. That in the midst of disruption, you can have assurance. In the midst of disruption, you can live your life full of joy because your, your life is not based on things going well. Your life is based on a relationship with me going well. And that's very powerful. And Daniel, I believe here, really does bring that home for us. That in Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're we're told that, you know, we're not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But what does it say we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Not to be conformed, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can actually be the influencers here instead of the situation being the influencers in our life. So, in the front of the house, we see Daniel uh, using his gifts later on in in chapter two and three and four. He's using his gifts to make an influence into the the Babylonian culture and being able to testify and to to share God's glory uh, and the people's good with those around him. But in the back of the house, God's orchestrating all of it, God is sovereign you know what? God is not uh, afraid of rulers. He is the one that is the one that controls the rulers. He's the one that puts them into place. And so we have that assurance that God is in control. And so as we come out of this this season, as we look at this where Daniel stepped up in courage, maybe there's a, a step you need to take in courage. Maybe in the midst of where things are at, and it may not be COVID related. It may be marriage related. It may be family related. Maybe work related. Maybe God is saying, you know what? I need you to step up in courage in this area so that you actually can show my faithfulness to you. And maybe that's what we need to be doing is asking where do I need to step up in courage so that we can actually ask the right questions. We can step into something that might be a little bit more fearful, but can be powerful in the end. Or maybe God is calling us to step out in confidence. That the things that we've been learning in God's word, the things that God has been teaching us, we just need to put to, into practice. We need to be able to say, yeah, God's told me he's not going to leave me or forsake me. God's told me he's going to provide for me so that when I lose my job or when my, my uh, work is cut back so that the finances are really strained, I have the confidence that God is going to meet me where I'm at. That God is going to help me where I'm at that in the midst of our marriage struggles that maybe we're having, that God is that we have the confidence that God wants that restored and, and brought to a right place. That if we get too focused up in the drama up in the front of house, we can lose sight of what's really going on. We get caught up in that. And so we don't wanna step out in, in uh, confidence or in, in courage. We wanna just be able to hide. But as Daniel didn't do that, I don't think we need to as well. I think we have some things that we can do. And, and know that God has a calling on your life. As followers of Christ, God has a calling on our lives each and every day. We need to understand what that is and we need to be confident in that. And we need to be able to be using that. That if God calls us to some of the little things, we need to be assured that he's gonna use those things and the things we're learning there so that we can do bigger things for him later on. Just like he did with Daniel. He took the small things and we know what happens later on in the big things, right? So let me assure us, and let me just close with this. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what disruption you're facing in your life. I know we're all facing COVID, but maybe there's some other things, some some really deeper things going on in your life right now. Maybe there's some things that you need to just uh, ask God for help in. You know, one of the things that Daniel did that was so cool is he took the, the, the everyday walk with God that he had, and he made it part of his everyday, even in Babylon so that it, God made an everyday difference in his life. And one of our values and one of our our discipleship rhythms is, you know, walking with Jesus every day. Walking with Jesus every day in the midst of that. Maybe that's what we need to start. If we're struggling, we need to walk with Jesus every day so that we can start seeing God take our hand and walk us through some of these difficult times so that we don't become super focused on the front of the house, but we realize God is in the back of the house doing some amazing things, and he wants to do that in your life as well. Maybe you're here, and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, and you're going through some tough things, and all you have is to focus on the the front of the house because you don't even know the God that's in the back of the house. I would just encourage you to know that, that You know, you might have some friends that are followers of Christ that you can talk to. Uh, You can reach out to us on our chat line or or just even to the church that we would love to share with you. The God that's in the back of the house that wants to have control in your life to make things right and to help you become who God's created you to be. And so don't give up on that opportunity. Don't miss out on that opportunity. Step out and courage to just say, you know what, I'm willing to explore that a little bit more because we have some things and opportunities coming up that we would love to share with you. And so let me pray as we close our time. Uh, I just pray God's blessing upon you as we, uh, as we finish off in uh, Daniel chapter 1. Let's pray. Father God, I, I'm grateful uh, for our time in Daniel 1 as we've been reminded that, Lord, you were with Daniel and his friends that you were with him and that so much so that he could uh, step up in courage, that he could step out in confidence and that he could step into his calling. So much so, Father, that he could take that little thing of obedience and run with it and and prove you in the midst of that. And that, God, he was able to be shown favor because of your work that you're doing behind the scene in the back of the house. Father, thank you that you are a sovereign God that is in control Thank you that even even in the midst of all the drama that's going on around us, that Lord, we can trust you that you are at work in the back of the house doing your thing. And so God, I pray that you would help us, no matter what situation we're in, would you help us to, to trust you and to walk in this with you so that we can take this disruption or this difficulty that we're facing and Lord, see victory in it once and for all. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your love for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for being here. We appreciate the fact that as we get to come into your home in this way, uh, that we get to bring God's word into your life and and share it with you. And I hope that as we share these questions with you, uh, that it would help you to just have a conversation with those in, uh, in your family. If you're alone, maybe you can be praying through some of these questions and just asking yourselves some of these questions as well. Uh, know that we're here for you. If there's anything that we can do to help you, please let us know how we can do that. You can do that in the chat feature uh, within the YouTube or even on our website at uh, southridgefellowship.ca. There's a chat feature there. We'd love to talk with you further. But I just want to pray God's blessing upon you. Have a great week and we look forward to seeing you next week.